Hello and welcome to the Clubhouse, Golf Monthly's weekly look at the various different events around the world in golf. Today we chat to two-time European Tour winner John Catlin and look forward to golf's return in England next week. Hello and welcome to the Clubhouse, brought to you by our friends at Titleist, the number one ball in golf. For more, visit titleist.co.uk. Hello and welcome to the Clubhouse. My name is Tom Clark and this week I'm joined by Elliot Heath. Hi Elliot, how are you doing? Hello Tom, yeah, very good, thanks. Um, sun is shining here in Surrey and uh, looking forward to playing golf next week, so things are starting to turn around. Yeah, all good. How are you? Yeah, not bad. I'm not sure the sun is completely shining in sunny Essex. It's usually sunny. It's always sunny in Essex, but it's a bit cloudy. Uh, <laughs> bit cloudy, bit rainy. Good news is I think my builders have just left for the day, so uh, we shouldn't be interrupted by any uh, hammering or anything like that uh, this week, so that's good. Um, and as you say, Elliot, exciting news, um, especially for English golfers. Because it sounds like golf is going to return to England and people will be able to play from the 2nd of December. Great news? Yeah, very good news. And uh, yeah, just uh, just glad the government's gone with that because I think it's been a, a bit of a ridiculous month. My girlfriend, for example, yesterday was queuing up at a garden centre for like an hour to get in. Uh, at the weekend, we popped into town to get some bits and it was just absolutely rammed. And you're just thinking, there's like 40 people in this small shop and, and you're not allowed to play golf. So, um, yeah, I'm glad that it's coming to an end soon. I can't wait to go back to the driving range as well. Yeah, just uh, looking forward to life returning to how it was post the first lockdown. Yeah, fingers crossed. I mean, we don't know all the details yet, do we? Um, we're not sure if there's any... Um, there may be some restrictions that still happen. Obviously, it also depends where the course is because if it's an area which might still have quite a strong lockdown. We just don't know quite what's going to be uh, the big picture on that. Um, but it does sound very positive um, that outdoor sport is coming back and, and and obviously that golf is out there. And it has been a bit ridiculous, I agree with you, that um, if, the traffic outside my house has never been so bad, to be honest with you, in the last couple of weeks. So it has been frustrating that um, we haven't been able to play golf at all. And I'm also looking forward to getting back to the driving range. I only just started going back to the driving range uh, with my brand new swing, and now I haven't, I haven't been able to practice it. So maybe maybe I'm rubbish again. I, I was still <laughs> rubbish anyway. Um, but I wanna, yeah, I want to go to the driving range. I want to take my son to the driving range, actually, because I promised I was going to take him because he... He wanted to know where I kept on going off to, and uh, and um, he hasn't had the chance to. He's never been, so um, I want to take him as well. So looking forward to golf golf returning, um, and also this could be a, a real lifeline to, to golf clubs as well as we get close to the Christmas period. You know, the Christmas time is actually usually a very busy time for for golf clubs, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, definitely, and um, because clubhouses are going to be open as well. In I think tiers one and two, I think tier three, they might be closed. And also, yeah, four balls are going to be playing as well. So courses will be busy. Uh, obviously, golfers are very responsible. I don't think many cases come from golf clubs. Uh, having looked at the data, especially the Republic of Ireland data. So, yeah, it should be uh, a good lead up to Christmas, hopefully. That's that's great stuff. And it's, it's really good news, isn't it? Um, it's just 
yeah, we just want to get start getting back to the normality. But there is a there is more hope, I think, this week than we've had in previous months. I mean, how long has this been going on for? So lockdown was in March. So it's, it's, you know, we've had eight months of this or whatever it is. Um, and with the news of the vaccine coming potentially as well, and maybe some good news around that, you know, we, we, I think we're all very hopeful that this will be the last lockdown that we really do need, but we'll wait and see if that, that does happen. But um, I think golf again, I think, I know it's been very frustrating for golfers, but the one thing we wish, I think we should say is that, you know, we're, if you do get the chance to go out and play golf again, if you have, and if you haven't had the chance to do it, just make sure you do it responsibly. You know, the, the, the best, the best chance of us, Keeping the sport running is, you know, to act in a responsible manner and um, not to give anyone an excuse to shut us down. So uh, really looking forward to being able to hit golf balls wildly left where I'm aiming again in the near future. <laughs> yeah. Uh, also, I have a new handicap index of 2.4. So I'm looking forward to uh, playing <laughs> off that and uh, definitely not hand any cards in because I know that'll be going up and up every single time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I forgot about that. You haven't actually played with that, have you? No, I, th- I think we went into lockdown a couple of days after it went live. So, uh, yeah, that'll be very new. Yeah, and actually, it's going to be new for loads, loads of people, isn't it? Um, and I think people probably forgotten about that. So uh, we'll probably need to send out a few reminders. <laughs> so, uh, um, no, well, fingers crossed, everyone. Let us know how you, how you get on. If you if you start playing next week um, with this new handicap index, uh, let us know how it, how it pans out and if... Uh, if you're suddenly shooting, you know, getting 50 points around, or if you're suddenly getting 12 points around, let us know, and uh, and we'll see how it goes. There was a little bit of tour golf which happened at the weekend. Actually, it was two tournaments, and um, two two names that won which haven't won this year, and actually haven't won ever really. Uh, Robert Streb beat Kevin Kisner in a playoff to win the RSM Classic on the PJ Tour. He birded the second playoff hole to win his second PJ Tour title and second RSM Classic. It, he played pretty well, didn't he, Streb? You saw you saw him see off Kisner on the playoff? Yeah, uh, it was a brilliant 63 from Kisner to to look like he was going to win, and then Streb made a, a wonderful birdie on the 17th hole. Uh, and then, yeah, Streb was absolutely clutch on that second playoff hole where uh, he hit a pitching wedge to probably three or four inches. It was, uh, yeah, just incredible. Watching it with my girlfriend and we were... We both basically screamed when we watched it, which was a good bit of drama. It really looked like it was going in. Um, I do not know how on earth he plays golf without wearing a glove, though. So uh, I just could not do that, which is yeah, very strange. He's not the only but I mean, there's been some very successful people who never wore gloves. I think Freddie Couples never wore a glove, did he? Yeah, that's right. So, um, yeah, I think, so I think Lucas Glover as well. Which so is ironic, ironic really, with the glove <laughs> is, uh, um the one thing I'll say about Robert Streb, I saw. Did you see what he was wearing on Saturday? He was wearing black shoes with white trousers. Didn't look great. I don't know. No. Whether it, was me. it was me. I mean, I'm hardly a fashion icon, but uh, I wasn't sure about his uh, his, uh, his his choice of outfit on Saturday. But he played very well, which is more is all the point. And um, good to see. And also, I think good to see Kisner playing well again because he's kind of gone a little bit quiet in recent times. You know, I think ever since he won. The match play, when was that? Two years ago now? Uh, last year, I think. Yeah, last year, that's it, last year. Um, but, you know, winning the match play, having fallen apart in the final of the, the match play the year before that, he um, he's a very, very talented golfer and it's good to see him, him coming through again. 
There was another event, this time the European Tour, at the Joburg Open, where JB Hansen won his maiden tour title. The Dane shot a bogey 367 to beat Wilco Nienenbauer by two. I completely said that man's surname wrong, but you know, you're just gonna we're just gonna live with it. Uh, another another good performance and another you know first time winner. We've had quite a lot of first time winners this year, haven't we? Yeah, yeah very uh, emotional. JB Hansen. He's been around for an awful long time. Uh, I remember first seeing him at the Scottish Open at Castle Stewart. Don't know when that was. Probably about eight years ago. And he absolutely collapsed on the final day. And I remember he was smoking as well on the course, which you didn't really see at the time very often. But yeah, good good on him. Ten years uh, of professional career he's had now. And yeah, he was in tears and, and it was good to see his, his wife on Zoom as well, going absolutely crazy um, in celebration too. Yeah, and, and it's been great that we've been able to have lots of these events happen. The European Tour have done well, I think, getting all these events sorted. We could have had a complete, you know, they could have shut down the, the tour for the whole year, really. Uh, that wouldn't have surprised us. Um, but with the UK swing and then a few of the other uh, events we've had in Cyprus and Italy and, and, and now... Uh, in South Africa, it's meant that some of these guys have had a chance to actually, you know, change their lives around some of these these tournaments, and um, it's no, it's great to see, isn't it? And someone who who kind of falls in that boat, who's a, who's now a, a two time European Tour winner, is John Catlin, who uh, we recently caught up with to uh, hear about his his successes and um, who he's who has really inspired him to do well on the European Tour in the last year or so. Hi, John Catlin. Thanks for joining us today. Firstly, where am I finding you? you? You back in California? I am back in California right now. Yes, that's correct. Yeah. So you start the year off in uh, Thailand where you live as well? Yeah, I have a, I have a place there that I've lived for four years. Uh, started the year off there. Yeah, that's correct. Played, uh, played Singapore, Hong Kong, uh, Malaysia, and then uh, lockdown hit pretty much right after that. And then... Uh, came back out for that last three and a half month stretch yeah so how would you describe this year for you it's been it's been a pretty crazy year I mean uh you know going from not knowing if we were going to play any any tournaments uh to having events to play didn't know what events I was going to get into to winning my first European tour event to winning two two in a row uh, playing in my first two Rolex series events. So it, it's been a pretty big, you know, a pretty big roller coaster year for sure. Yeah. Um, right. So let's just start at the beginning. Uh, you're from Sacramento. Uh, how did you get into golf? Uh, my parents, sorry, my dad and my brother would take me out when I was a kid. Uh, I was quite young at the time. Uh, my older brother's nine and a half years older than I am. Uh, he, so he would have been 12 when I started. I was about three. And, uh, so we would just go out. It just kind of started as like, you know, a fun thing for us to do together. And, uh, you know, I loved it, but I loved pretty much every sport as a kid. I love to, uh, you know, I, I love to compete. And, uh, you know, even though I was nine years younger than my brother, I would still try and find ways to compete with him. And, uh, you know, I think, I think that's kind of where it started and it just kind of grew from there. Um, I didn't start taking it really seriously until I was about 10 during that time when Tiger Woods was dominating professional golf, that's kind of when it became clear that's what I wanted to do. But um, yeah, I started, that's kind of how golf started for me. Yeah. So idolizing Woods and Mickelson, I guess, two fellow Californians. Woods, Woods more for me. I mean, Mickelson, yeah. Mickelson's a great golfer, you know, for sure. Not, not taking anything away from him, but uh, Tiger was definitely the one that, you know, inspired me more. 
Yeah, have you ever met Tiger? I haven't met Tiger, no. I hope to yeah. someday soon. And uh, did you ever go and attend local uh, PGA Tour events in California as a kid? Yeah, so I went to I went to the U.S. Open at Pebble Beach in 2010. I think yeah, 2010. I went to the uh, I went to the one at Torrey Pines, the Tiger Woods one in 2008. Um, I think that I think that might be it. I think I've only been to those two. Uh, two good but, ones though. Yeah, it was a really both of them were great, great, uh, great experiences. Yeah, um, and uh, how was college for you? Is it the University of New Mexico? That's correct. Yeah, it was great. It was, you know, it was a really, really good opportunity for me. I got to play all four years. Uh, I think I only missed one tournament and it was the second event my freshman year. Uh, You know, so being able to play that many tournaments gave me a lot of experience, a lot of confidence, Uh, you know, playing, playing against some of the best, you know, the best players in the world, but now playing on the PGA Tour, guys like Xander Shoffley, guys like, you know, Justin Thomas and Jordan Spieth and, you know, just to name a few. I mean, that, you know, being able to compete against those guys and, you know, gave me a lot of confidence. And, uh, you know, it was, it was a really, it was a great, great experience. So you started out on the Canadian tour, did you? I did. Yeah. In 2014, that was the first like tour that I played. I played mini tour stuff uh, just to kind of start out something, something to play in, kind of get the feel for, you know, professional golf, playing for a paycheck. Uh, But, you know, the first like, you know, tour tour was, you know, PGA Tour Canada. I played there in 2014, 15, and 16. Right. So you started fairly close to home and then decided to go across the other side of the world. Uh, what was that move to Asia like? It was, uh, it was definitely a big culture shock. Yeah, it's, very, it's very different. Um, but I think it was a really, really great experience for me. Um, getting away from everything that was you know, kind of comfortable, uh, having to make my own decisions, being on my own, being my own adult, uh, you know, if something went wrong, I had to, I had to figure it out and I, I couldn't, you know, I couldn't call my, call my friends, call my family. I had to, I had to be the one to take care of it. And, uh, you know, if I, if I didn't practice, there wasn't anybody on my, on my case except myself. And, uh, you know, so I think that was a, you know, a very, very good move for me. And, uh, you know, it allowed me to kind of take a little more, a little more ownership over what I was doing. And I think it's, uh, it's, it's benefited me greatly. Yeah, so you won what six or six or seven times out in Asia. Was the standard as high as you thought it was going to be? Was it a really good level for you? Yeah, it was. Uh, there's there's a lot of great golfers out there. Um, you know, it's uh, it's it's very very fierce competition. You gotta you gotta be ready to play every single every single week. And um, you know, I think I think that's what made me take it so seriously. You know. I'm, I, I moved over to Thailand and, you know, I was like, okay, if I'm, if I'm going to do this, I got to give it everything I've got. Cause that's what, that's what the other guys are doing. And, um, you know, I think that, I think that really, really helped me, uh, kind of focus my, focus my attention. And, uh, that's when the practice started going higher. You know, I was, I started working out more. I started reading more books. I started doing more research, just, just getting, just getting smarter about what I did. And, uh, I've just carried that on, you know, just tried to be, tried to continue to get better at every aspect of what I do. Yeah. Um, are you surprised more Americans don't go over to Asia first? Um, I think it's, I think you have to be comfortable with it. I mean, it's, it's a pretty, it's a pretty big move. I mean, that's, you know, it's 9,000 miles away from home, basically opposite sleep cycle, you know, different food, 
different everything. And if you're not, if you're not comfortable with that, I mean, that's, that could be a recipe for, you know, disaster. Um, so it, I don't think I'm surprised, but I think if people can kind of get over that, I think they'll realize that it's a great opportunity and a great way for you to, you know, become, become a better golfer. Uh, so I think it's a great route, but I'm not surprised more people don't take it, if that makes sense. Yeah, and, and of your Asian tour event wins, um, what was the biggest one for you? Thailand Open. Yeah. Just because, I, you know, I live there, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm sponsored by Singa. I'm wearing their shirt right now. Uh, you know, it's, uh, that, was, uh, that was a special one, especially the way I won it. You know, I won it in the playoff and to have it come down the stretch like that. And, you know, I was able to perform at a high level and win that tournament. Um, yeah, I, I think it's, I think it's extra, extra special for me, for sure. Yeah, I've been to Thailand a couple of times myself and uh, I'm a big fan of Singa. <laughs> yeah, it's great, isn't it? <laughs> Um, so then from Asia to, to Europe this year, you've had a couple of massive wins, especially around Valderrama. That, I guess, tops everything in your career so far. Yeah, I mean, that was a – that's just a world-class golf course. I mean, everything everything about that property is done to the, the highest level, uh, you know, even from – even down to the fringes, how well they're moaned and maintained. I mean, it's just – I liken it to – you know, the Augusta National of Europe. I mean, that's that's yeah. the level that they, you know, take care of that golf course. And, you know, they had it playing really, really difficult for us this year. The wind the wind blew pretty much 30 miles an hour most days, you know, between 20 and 30. And, uh, you know, the greens didn't get any, any softer or any slower the whole week. So, uh, you know, it was, it was a true test. And, uh, you know, Martin and I were battling back and forth down the stretch there. And, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe went a few more holes. I might've even turned his, his way, but you know, the 18th hole was done and I was the, I was the champion. Yeah. A lot of your victories have been by one or two shots or a playoff. So you're obviously very good at beating people or, you know, just edging when you need to. Would you say that as well? Yeah, I would say that. Um, I love to win. I love to, you know, I love to compete. It started with, started when I was a kid and uh, it's just kind of, fostered over my over my lifetime you know I just I love to win and uh you know if I if I'm not if I'm not winning it you know it drives me nuts and I think that's, I think that's what gets me up in the morning you know gets gets me on the golf course gets me practicing you know gets me talking to my coach about things that I'm doing you know all these things add up over time and uh you know if I if I come up one or two shots short and I knew there was something I could have done differently, it's gonna that's gonna eat at me. So you know, I I, I want to make sure I'm doing everything I can to give myself the best opportunity to win. And then you know, then it's just whether it happens or not. You know, maybe you give it everything you got, but some guy just beats you and you shake his hand and you say, you know, you know, great job. But I mean, knowing that I have done everything that I can. I think it gives me a lot of confidence in those situations and I've been able to win more times than not. Yeah. What was it like with um, Martin Keimer? What, what was the nerves like playing with a former world number one, two-time major winner? I mean, I was definitely nervous. I mean, anytime you have a chance to win a golf tournament, it doesn't matter who you're playing against. You're going to, you're going to, you're going to have those nerves. And, uh, you know, Martin's a great golfer. There's no doubt about it. You look at his, you look at his record. He's got 11, you know, uh, you know, 11 wins on the European tour, two, two major championships, 
former world number one. The guy's a great golfer, but I'm also I'm also a very good golfer, and I'm very very confident in what I can do. And you know, my record's shown that you know I can I can win when I have when I have the opportunity. And uh, so, was I nervous? Yes, but I was confident that I had a chance to win the golf tournament, and I just played from that mentality all day. Yeah, a word for your caddy, George, as well. We had him on the podcast a few weeks ago. It was uh, his first time ever caddying on the European Tour. Yeah, it's a really cool story. I, we actually still haven't heard back as to whether that's a record of, you know, first first event caddying and win. But, yeah, George George is a great kid. Uh, you know, we, we had a great week together, and he did, a, he, did a, he did a really good job of, you know, keeping up, keeping me calm, keeping everything that he had to do done. And... Uh, just a just a really upstanding kid, and I you know I'm sure he's going to be very very su- successful in anything that he does. Hopefully, it's professional golf, but you know you never know you never know what the future holds. But he's he's a hard worker and he's a good kid. Yeah, uh, and then um, how long was the Irish Open after Valderrama? A few weeks. So Portugal Masters was the next week. Then I took a week off. So I think it's three weeks. Yeah, incredible turnaround there, and. Um, it was an amazing three would you hit into the last as well again under huge pressure what was that win like to to win so quickly again it was great um you know i was i was playing well i think i made the right move taking a taking a taking a week off after portugal masters just kind of the you know the fatigue was setting in and uh, so i was fresh that week i was feeling good and uh, i think i went into the final round four shots back of the lead so again i kind of had i kind of had nothing to lose i was like you know i'm just gonna go out and you know, whenever I have an opportunity to aim at a flag stick, I was like, I'm, I'm going to do it. I, I've, I've already won once, you know, I'm not trying to, not trying to prove myself or anything. I've just, you know, I've already got that monkey off my back. And, uh, you know, I just got off to a really nice start there. I birdied two, two and four, uh, made a long one on eight and birdied 10. So within 10 holes, I had tied the lead. And all of a sudden, you know, I, I knew that I had a chance coming down that stretch and, hold some nice putts there on, I think it was 12. I made a good par save and then 15. I made a really good one uphill, uphill, right to left or stuff went in there close on 16. And then as, as you had mentioned, the three went on 18. So uh, yeah, I mean, I kind of, you know, I went into it, not, not knowing anything, you know, not knowing what to expect, just kind of trying to have a good, you know, have, have a good final round. And it turned out to be something very, very special. Looking back at, at what Brooks Kepsch had done, his journey to world number one via the European Tour, do you take much inspiration from that? Yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, you know, I think he's kind of paved paved the path that I'd like to follow. Uh, top 50 in the world is my is my next goal. Uh, that's something that he was able to accomplish, and it you know gave him the opportunities that he needed, and he he took full advantage of it, and you know now he's a four time major winner. You know, not saying I'm going to be a four-time major winner. I'm just saying that that's the path that I'm trying to, I'm trying to follow. And uh, you know, seeing someone do that, you know, gives you the motivation. And it's kind of like, you know, why can't I do that too? You know, so it gives you that mentality and gives you a lot of gives you a lot of uh, drive to try and do the same thing. Do you see your your future on the PGA Tour in that top fifty in the world? Then, yes, absolutely. That's that's where I that's where that's where I want to get to. Uh, that's where I've dreamt of getting to since I was a little kid. And, uh, you know, I hope I get to get there very, very soon. You, you played on the PGA Tour a few times before, haven't you? Yeah, I've played six PGA Tour events. 
yeah. Uh, what's that? What's that like? The standard, the the size of the events. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, we're very we're very very lucky. I mean, European Tour does a great job as well. You know, the events are very very well run. Um, everything is top of the line. Uh, the PGA Tour is just a another step up, not a big step up, but just another another level. You know, you're playing for you're playing for bigger prize funds, but you know, I mean, it was it was a great experience, and it kind of showed me showed me what I'm working so hard to try to achieve. Uh, you know, that's seeing seeing that it makes it very clear that that's where I want to get to. And uh, so, you know, any day I wake up and I'm a little tired or I'm not sure if I want to go practice, you know, that kind of kicks me in the butt and I'm like, all right, let's, let's get out there. Cause that, cause that's where, that's where we're going to get to. Love that. Um, and John, finally, uh, looking at your stats, I wouldn't class you as a, an out and out bomber. Uh, what do you think about the distance debate in golf and um, what Bryson's doing, I guess? I mean, hats off to Bryson. If you can fly the ball 400 yards and hit it and hit it where you're looking, I mean, I would be doing, I would be doing the same thing if I could. Uh, but I mean, I think, I think golf, it just, you have to figure out what gives you the best chance to compete at the highest level. And I think if you start trying to do things that other people do, I think you can put yourself in a bad, you know, a bad position. And I think you can start making, you know, making mistakes that could cost you down the road. Uh, you know, I, I was talking about this earlier. I think it's, it's kind of like having your own fingerprint. And I think if you try and change your fingerprint, it's just you're setting yourself down, down a road that could, it could end up costing you in the long run. And uh, so, you know, I mean, good on Bryson. He's found something that works for him that's made him a better golfer. And, you know, he's, he's won a U.S. Open. Hats off. But, you know, I, I, think, I think everyone's got, got to kind of figure out what works for them. Yeah. All right. Thanks a lot, John. I appreciate that. Good to yeah, of course. Thank you. So there you go, John Catlin, who of course spoke to Elliot recently. Uh, I thought he came across pretty well there. Yeah, I've got to say, top bloke, John Catlin. I thought, um, really nice guy. Loved his attitude about just how competitive he is now. He only ever sets out to win. Really like that. I've enjoyed watching him play this year on the tour. He's got a very good game, very solid, nothing spectacular about it, but just a real gritty competitor. And I love his journey as well, going out to Asia living in Thailand for a few years, winning some big events out in Asia, including the Thailand Open, like you said there. Uh, so, yeah, just a brilliant journey he's had. And, um, yeah, I think he probably does take inspiration from Kepka, like you said. He, he's seen him go through Europe, go to world number one, win majors, and I, I think there's no reason why he can't do it as well. Yeah, I think Kepka's really inspired a few people to to try and do things slightly differently and realise that you don't just have to stay in America to to get to the top of the game. Actually, you can you can actually get a lot of experience, um, you know, playing on other tours and actually a lot of success as well. And it really gives you a good foundation to then push forward uh, when the time is right. Um, and let's let's talk about Brooks Kepka then. So the question that we posed on uh, the website recently in the last week or so was who will complete the career Grand Slam next? And Brooks Kepka is obviously one of those people who uh, has a chance of doing that. Uh, but also the other names in that in that frame really are Roy McIlroy, Jordan Spieth, Phil Mickelson, and of course now Dustin Johnson as well. So Elliot, who do you think out of those five has the 
the best chance of completing the Grand Slam next? Yeah, we posed this question last week and uh, Dustin Johnson was the favourite just ahead of Rory McIlroy. I would say it wouldn't be Rory McIlroy for me. I, I just, just the way that he collapsed at Augusta uh, on day one and the way we've seen him just not really perform to his best in majors for six years just kind of doesn't really give me any confidence in him winning a green jacket anytime soon, at least, anyway. Uh, I think Dustin Johnson is probably rightly the favourite, just the way he played, the way he finally, not finally, but the way he, he reminded us all of how he can win majors, how he can dominate. So I would have to say DJ would be the favourite, but then again, Spieth probably has a chance of winning the PGA as well, because it's just one week in a year, isn't it? Obviously, he's... Um, found some very difficult patches but it only takes one week to win a major doesn't it and he's only got one to win so i would go dj first then spieth um and then put mackerel and kepka probably in the in the same draw that's uh, well that's surprising we haven't even mentioned phil mickerson you're not going to chat to him you don't think 50 year old phil mickerson's got a us open win on him certainly not and he might not even play in the us open again uh, i think he'd probably win the US Senior Open, which will qualify him one day. Uh, but I think he's going to need top 50 or top 60 in the world, which uh, is probably possible next year. But I don't think going forward he's going to play many more. Shane, I mean, Mickelson obviously had the best. He's had, how many times have he finished second at the US Open? Six yeah. times. Six times. I mean, he obviously had those chances and you do wonder whether those chances have now gone. So I think I think Mickelson will, will really struggle now. As you say, he's... Probably not going to win one now. Um, then you look at, I mean, Kepka and Roy, putting Kepka and Roy together there, I'm not sure I agree with that. Roy's only got to win the Masters. The next one, the next majors, the Masters. I know it's a bit weird because we've only just had the Masters. Um, Kepka's got to have a, a Masters and an Open victory. Um, and the Open, I think, is the one which is always tricky. I mean, Spieth obviously played amazingly to win at Birkdale, but DJ's had chances at the Open and, and, and kind of blown up. He blew up when Darren Clark won the Open. He hit one out of bounds at, at, at Royal St. George's. Obviously, Royal St. George's is where the Open's been played um, this uh, this coming year. So you think if he's going to win somewhere, he could do well there because he has had some success there in the past. But, you know, Opens are very hard to win because if you get on the wrong side of the draw and you run into a bit of weather or something like that, then, you, then you're done, aren't you? So... I think Rory has the best chance. I think he found some really good place a couple of weeks ago, played so well for rounds two, three, and four. Um, and the next one is, is is Augusta. I wouldn't be surprised if Rory wins at Augusta this, this April. But I, I, as you say, with Spieth as well, Spieth, his game is just nowhere near winning a major at the moment. I, I don't think he can win a normal PGA Tour event at the moment, um, let alone the PGA. Uh, championship. Um, he can't put four rounds of golf together. Um, I think he actually did quite well to scramble at the weekend at the Masters and actually finished reasonably well. So um, for me, Rory is is, is the uh, next person to win the Grand Slam. Uh, and then I'd say DJ and Kepka are actually uh, a level pegging at the moment. Kepka's not fit, is he, at the moment? I think he needs to get get back to being 100% and then going on. Uh, then Mickelson, unfortunately, I don't think he's got a chance. But uh, do you think... Um, do you think DJ has a better chance of winning major, uh, the Grand Slam than Kepka, obviously? I mean, they're identical players, more or less, aren't they? Yeah, it, it's amazing uh, what recency bias does, because DJ um, 
is now on top of the world after that Masters win. And, and we've all sort of forgotten how dominant uh, Brooks Kepka was a few years ago. I mean, winning four majors in the space of two years, wasn't it, or something? So, um, yeah, if Kepka can get fit and get back in that mindset, he can definitely um, sort of perform like DJ is performing at the moment. But, uh, yeah, fair, fair enough on McElroy. I, I think that's the logical thing. But uh, whether it plays out, I, I don't know. But I, I hope it does. I would be kind of happier than anyone to see Rory win a green jacket. Yeah, uh, oh, without doubt. I think we all cheer him on. So if we look at DJ and Kepka, they've obviously both won half of the, the Grand Slam, although not the exact same half. And Kepka, you say the two hardest ones maybe to win are, are at Augusta and the Open. I mean, he's finished second at Augusta 2019 and fourth at the Open in 2019. 2019 wasn't a bad year for him, was it? Because he also won the PGA. So I think it's just very tricky because winning at Augusta, as, as we've seen, is very tough to do because there's so many people who just play so well there. And DJ just was outstanding in the last fortnight or so. Um, I mean, Kepka could have won in 2019, but he ran into someone called Tiger Woods. Uh, and as I said, I've already mentioned about the Open Championship. I think the Open is so tough to win. You saw what happened to um, Adam Scott. When Ernie won, you know, Adam Scott was going to win that Open, wasn't he? He was definitely going to win it. And then he just blew up bogey the last four holes or whatever he did. So um, I think it's really tricky. And as I say, so I remember that at St George's when I was actually there on that final day uh, when DJ hit out of bounds, um, he was right in the hunt. That was really, really tough Open Championship. The weather was absolutely horrendous for the first few days. And Dan Clark got a little bit of luck, missed the really bad stuff. Uh, and managed to get, you know, just stay ahead of the pack. And then he just hung on, hung on, hung on, and everyone just fell away from him in the end. So um, DJ's got to, you know, he's it's not going to be like playing at Augusta uh, a couple of weeks ago where you can shoot 20 under par. So George's are going to be, I think, a real tough test for him. Um, he could do well, but he's got to really be on it 72 holes. And I just don't know whether... The, whether he's quite got that at the moment, I don't know. I know he's the best golfer in the world at the moment, but winning the Open and all the pressure of winning the Clarence Jug could uh, take its toll. And that's why I think Roy's just a little bit ahead. Um, he's only got to get one more, obviously. And um, he's had his practice rounds now, a fortnight ago, and I think he's, he's going to be all guns blazing come April. I'm, I'm feeling really positive about Roy McIlroy in 2021. Yeah, hopefully. But yeah, on DJ, what you've got to say as well is he's got good experience at Royal St George's of playing well uh, when he was a completely different player. What was that? Nine? It'll be 10 years ago now when he when he turns up there in July. Uh, and yeah, it's considered the toughest open course, isn't it? Which means really you need to be on your ball striking. And he, at the moment at least anyway, is the best ball striker in the world from, from tee to green. His, his driving is phenomenal. His wedge is very good. So, um, yeah, I think there's every chance he could win. Then there's something else that we're not really thinking about, and that is perhaps none of them end up doing it and um, the wait goes on. I mean, Tiger Woods did it in 2001. I think he was only the fifth player to win all four modern majors. Uh, So, yeah, it's a lot harder to do than it is to say. So, uh, yeah, Uh, another person, (laughs) just a random one to think about, could be Colin Morikawa. I mean, he's only 23 years old. So we've got 15, 20 years to do it. It could be someone in, in the next 10 years that does it instead of in the next three or four, which we're kind of thinking about. Yeah, I think that's absolutely right. I mean, who 
who's won the majors this year? Let's look at them. So Colin Morikawa, you know, he, he's come through and won really from nowhere, has he? You know, no one was really picking him to win the uh, – what did he win? The US Open? No, the PGA. <laughs> I can't remember who's won anything this year. This year it just feels like Groundhog Day. But no one was really picking him to win a major when you're when you, we're just listing those people already. Um, so, and he, you know, he's got a very, very solid game. But you've just got to be in the right place at the right time and take, you know, take the chances. And then let's look at – we haven't even mentioned Bryson DeChambeau. You know, he's – He's absolutely destroyed the US Open uh, field. Uh, we all thought he was going to destroy Augusta, but he didn't in the end. But I don't know whether that was down to his game or his, or, or what was going on really that, that week. Um, but he's someone that should be chatted about, but he's only won one, isn't he? And that's what Kepkes did so well, and that's what Jordan Spieth did so well. You know, they won those events suddenly really close together, and suddenly you've got them on the board. He's like, oh, well, if... Maybe if I do have one good week, I could I could win the Grand Slam here. So I think it's interesting to see. I thought you were going to say Victor Hovland's going to be the next person to win <laughs> as his cheerleader. Yeah, well, I must say, out of those three, Hovland, Wolf, and Morikawa, you've got to say Wolf and Morikawa are the two most impressive at the moment as professionals. But yeah, also what you said about Kepka and Speedway majors in quick succession. Rory won all four of his in, in the space of three years as well, didn't he? So... There's an endless amount of possibilities. Yeah. And I do think if Rory, if, if Rory does win at Augusta, say he does manage to get it done and gets the Grand Slam, I think he'll win loads. I think he'll really go on a... Because I think the pressure will just slightly be off and he can just go out and play. So um, I do feel that that pressure is on him. He gets asked about it almost every week. So uh, we will wait and see. But isn't it great to be excited about and pl- talking about golf? And, you know, we're looking forward to the future where we've been looking back and things and been trudging through the mud and lockdown and not sure what's going on and uh, there's so much more positive to be looking forward to to 2021 you know let's get rid of 2020 you know I'm so excited for 2021 you know I hadn't even thought about Royal St George's until we just started speaking about it you know Royal St George's is an excellent golf course whether it's the hardest you know Carnoustie's very hard isn't it but um, if the weather's plays is part you know it could be really tricky it's a really good test and it's it's in this part of the world as well. We're not a million miles from where we live, so uh, that's great. And I'm already getting excited to go out to the Masters. I've had a bit of a, I've had about a, a ten day Masters hangover, having watched so many hours of it. Uh, but now suddenly think about it again. I thought, oh, I can't actually wait to see see the Masters in spring. Um, you know, it's going to be a different test, isn't it, to the one we just saw? So, really looking forward to to um, 2021. So l- let us know who do you think is going to win the the career Grand Slam next. Uh, maybe Spieth, maybe Rory, maybe Mickelson, maybe none of the guys that we mentioned at all. You know, let us know who you think by uh, chatting to us on our social media at Golf Monthly on Instagram and Twitter, Golf Monthly Magazine on Facebook, or you can email us as well if you've got some thoughts. Maybe you want to do it as, as a reader letter. You can even get it printed in the magazine then as well. So, um, you know, do email us, golfmonthly at futurenet.com. So this week, uh, we're, one of the guys who we've been chatting about is, uh, sorry, actually, he's not playing this week. He's playing next week because the PJ Tour has a week off this week, which is a very rare event. But the next event is the Mayacoba Golf Classic in Mexico, and Dustin Johnson is going to be playing on that. But on the European Tour, it is the Alfred Dunhill Championship at Leopard Creek. Favourites include, uh, you've given me the hardest names in golf to say here in this sentence, have you, Elliot? So, Wilco Nienenberg and Christian Bezadenhut, 
Robert McIntyre, Eddie Pepperell and Brandon Stone are all playing. Hopefully I got some of those names right. But Leopard Creek is a fantastic golf course, isn't it? And it's right next to a kind of wildlife area. So um, it's a fact, whenever they go to South Africa, some of the golf courses are just spectacular. Um, so no PJ Tour event, but if you want to watch a bit of golf during the weekend, uh, maybe Thursday, Friday as well, then I think it's one of the most spectacular places to actually uh, to watch European Tour event. Uh, and if you want to see elephants and giraffes and all that stuff, it's a great excuse if you if you want to watch golf with the kids. This is the time to watch it because there's loads of animals they they can enjoy looking at whilst you can watch the golf. Yeah, one of the world's best courses, you'd have to say, one of the world's most beautiful ones. I remember when I used to watch this event when I was about twelve or thirteen. I used to be quite scared of ever playing the course myself in case I got eaten by a lion or something. But uh, <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure it's a lot safer than that now. I'm an adult. <laughs> I think they do try and keep it quite safe. Uh, I'm not sure you should go jogging at night around the golf course or anything like that. But um, <laughs> I think it's a. I think they have quite a lot of safety things in place there. And, and we're getting quite close to the end of the European Tour. I mean, the, the year is going, so we've only got a, a few events left now. The European Tour, I think, four in total. It's confirmed that both Patrick Reed and Colin Morikawa will tee up next month at Jumeirah Golf Estates as they bid to win the race to Dubai. The top five of the race to Dubai at the moment is Reed, Fleetwood, Morikawa, Westwood, and Perez. So the, the Americans are really going for this, which I absolutely love. It's, it's great that they've got, they're actually going to come over and try and win this. Um, and I think I've mentioned before, I know Patrick Reed. Um, he's not everyone's favourite golfer, but I really respect how much he he goes out and and plays out of his comfort zone. He goes to and travels around and play. He's played on the European Tour a lot, so um, he's seen this as a chance to do very well, um, and he's got a great chance to win it, hasn't he? Yeah, you'd have to put Patrick Reader's favourite there. He had a very good result at Wentworth to kind of secure his spot at number one after winning the WGC Mexico this year. And yeah, he, he loves the European Tour. He loves being a world player. And I love and respect that about him. It's really good that Colin Morikawa was playing as well because I've got to say it was a little bit of a joke that he went top of the race to Dubai after winning the PGA, having never actually played in a regular European Tour event. So um, yeah, respect to him for, for coming over and playing in that. And yeah, he'll really fancy his chances as well. It'd be great to see Lou Westwood win. It'd be great to see Tommy Fleetwood win again. So yeah, a very exciting finish, which we're going to see in about four weeks' time. Yeah, Westwood's, Westwood's got a very good record in Dubai as well. So he, I think if he's in the hunt, he's going to have a really good chance. I mean, look at Padres has has had a, a hell of a year. He's had he's had nine top tens, including a win out of twenty three events played. That's very very strong, including including winning, of course, the WGC Mexico Championship, which has really set him up with his chance of uh, of um, of winning the race in Dubai. He's had a very 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 good year, so um, I wouldn't be surprised if he takes it home. And you're all right. I, th- I think it's great that Morikawa is coming over because it, it does not look great that someone is leading your <laughs> your tours all merit and has never played in Europe <laughs> or even on a proper European tour. Event. It doesn't really make a lot of sense, does it? I know this year has been different, <laughs> a different kind of year, but um, it's a great. It's yeah. It, it's I'm glad that Morikawa has been <laughs> been persuaded to come over. Has decided to come over. If Westwood was to win it, it would be an incredible story, wouldn't they? Um, you know, he's obviously won it before, but he's you'd say he's more in the twilight of his career than uh, than in the peak of it. And um, I'm sure he's he's really got that 
eye on that prize, doesn't he? Yeah, I think, was he the first ever race to buy winner back in 2009? Or am I making that up? No, I think I think that's right. I think, yeah, I'm sure, sure that's right. We were looking at this the other day. So 2009, I, I think I remember this, because 2009 was the first year I worked for Golf Monthly. And who did he, he beat, who came second? Who, who won recently? Englishman, who hadn't won for ages. Oh, Ross McGowan. <laughs> Ross McGowan had, was second in that event. I remember, it, yeah, Ross McGowan had... You know, he more or less, he nearly won the Order of Merit because there was so much, I think it's more or less whoever won that, won the whole thing. So um, Westwood saw him off. I think he actually won by several shots in the end. But Ross McGowan then has kind of slipped away. And then, of course, he actually uh, won a couple of weeks ago. So, so yeah, I mean, Westwood has won it in 2000 and 2009. So this would be a chance kind of to do it in three decades or something like that That's, i'm not sure that quite works out that maths but um <laughs> you know it would be it would be 20 years on oh that's the story it would be 20 years on since his first european tour order of merit win which is which is brilliant isn't it uh start writing that story up now Elliot. um but he's uh you know he would be a very very popular popular winner of that and of course tommy fleetwood would as well so we'll um we'll look at interest of what happens over the next few weeks as we come to the end of uh, the tournament golf for a very, very odd 2020. And um, we hope that uh, 2021 is a little bit more, more regular. Elliot, where's the first place that you're going to play golf next week? Uh, West Byfleet, home club. West DB going to play on Sunday. I think it's my mate's birthday as well. So a bit of golf and a curry after. So already yeah. can't wait. Sounds absolutely spot on that. Uh, um, and I'm yeah. I'm going to try and, uh, yeah, go to the driving range or something like that. But before that, we will have another podcast. So do tune in to next week where we'll see who who uh, won, who, who avoided the Lions and won in South Africa. And, of course, we'll look ahead to the rest of the tournament golf coming at the end of that week. So, Elliot, have a good week. Yeah, you too, Tom. Thank you very much. Uh, we've got a busy week ahead with Black Friday. There's uh, some great deals. And, as always, Golf Monthly is covering it from every single angle. Absolutely. So um, I, I, yeah, I'm going to be looking out for a few things. I usually buy a pair of Adidas golf shoes at some point over Black Friday week. So do check out the golf uh, golf deals that we've highlighted uh, in our Black Friday coverage. Go to the golf monthly website, golf-monthly.co.uk, or just Google Black Friday golf deals. Do this, Black Friday golf deals, and I think we're pretty much top of the, the rankings for that. So click on our post and you'll see all the best deals in the UK and in the US as well, if you're based in America. So do check it out. But until next week, Elliot, I will chat to you then. <laughs>